0: This is Illinois Focus, powered by TheCenterSquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Coming up, we'll look ahead into the top news of the week and get commentary from The Center Square publisher Chris Krug and executive editor Dan McCaleb about the governor's office's attempt to interfere in the free press and more. That's ahead with Illinois Focus, powered by TheCenterSquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop.
1: Hi, this is Chris Krug, publisher of The Center Square. Our team produces the nationally read and recognized news stories at TheCenterSquare.com the country's fastest-growing nonprofit, nonpartisan, state-focused news and information site. We deliver essential Illinois news and information with a taxpayer sensibility through reporting that's easy to understand and easy to share with your friends and family. Get the news that you need to know at thecentersquare.com. That's thecentersquare.com,
0: thecentersquare.com. This is Illinois in Focus, powered by thecentersquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Here are some of the top stories from the past week. An Illinois man in his 20s has tested positive for COVID-19, the novel coronavirus, at the center of a global outbreak. The Cook County resident had recently been on a cruise to Italy State officials in Springfield announced the state's own tests have shown him positive for the virus. He's currently under quarantine at Rush University Medical Center. Illinois Department of Public Health Director Dr. Ngazi Zike gave more details about the case.
2: Public health officials here in Illinois are quickly taking action and the person is in the hospital. He was infected while in Italy and all close contacts since his return to Illinois are being identified and being
0: contacted. ZK talked about the third and fourth cases in isolation now and how they have yet to find out how they got it. But she says they do anticipate more cases.
2: Because the virus has been spreading in some communities in the U.S., community spread here in Illinois is expected. However, at this time, we are not seeing widespread transmission of this virus in the general public, so we can still say that the risk to the general public in Illinois is low.
0: Meanwhile, as of Friday morning, the CDC reports at least 12 people have died across the country from COVID-19. None of those are from Illinois. In an annual report for Illinois officials, a credit rating agency says Illinois is currently riding the national economic high water, but the land of Lincoln is due for a serious downturn. Cole Lauterbach has that story. Moody's Investor Services says Illinois has enjoyed a lower unemployment rate than it has in decades, but it goes on to say the state's economy is beginning to crack. Clayton Klenke with the Nonpartisan Commission on Government Forecasting and Accountability says the manufacturing industry is likely to see the biggest challenges due to company mobility into more competitive states and countries. Manufacturing has been a bright spot, but long-term trends forecast that it will be difficult to maintain Uh, The state's manufacturing base. Economist Marty Johnson with the Illinois Department of Revenue echoed similar concerns Wednesday in Springfield, but was more optimistic about short-term growth. We appear to be benefiting here in the Illinois um, markets. We benefit from the tight labor market that we're witnessing. The governor's proposed budget relies on $691 million in natural state income revenue growth. I'm Cole Lauterbach. The Illinois Republicans are again calling on the Democratic majority to have fair hearings on measures to reduce Illinois' property taxes that are consistently ranked the second highest in the nation. State Representative Deanne Mazaki said because the property tax release task force was created in the fall and wrapped up its work in late December without producing a final report, property taxes across the state continue to increase. Again, increased bills while another Democrat-led blue ribbon task force has failed to deliver. She said Republicans have a slew of proposed bills that are not even being considered by the majority party. Democratic State Representative Jonathan Carroll responded. I don't, know, I don't know what they want us to do differently, and if they have any good ideas, we'll, we'll support them. But, you know, where are their ideas, and where, when are we going to start seeing those? Republicans say they filed 23 bills, all of which are in the House Rules Committee, which they call the graveyard controlled by Democrats. Republican State Representative Dan Ugasti said people are leaving Illinois because of a lack of relief. And the reason people tell me they're leaving my district is because property taxes are too high. And when I talk to businesses who are considering moving across state lines that they're looking to save money, they tell me one of the main reasons is property taxes. Illinois has led the nation in outbound migration over the past decade. Task force member, Democratic State Representative Delia Ramirez, says that she understood Republicans' frustrations. I can see there's skepticism. There always is. But I do know that the pressure we feel strongly, at least this Democrat here, feels really strongly that we have to do something and we have to do it now. Republicans called the Property Tax Relief Task Force a sham, a failure, a facade, and an effort to push for higher income and sales taxes rather than finding property tax relief. With continued delays in Illinois State Police processing firearm owner identification card applications and renewals, a group of state lawmakers and citizens are calling for either the FOID law to be repealed or legislation to address the delays and other gaps. Former Vermilion County State's Attorney Randy Abrengar said that he applied for a new FOID card last summer when he didn't hear anything back in January. He went to state police headquarters in Springfield and was told there'd be no appointment and someone would call him back. He said this week he's still waiting. Uh, but I have to be in, in compliance with the law, and as a former law enforcement officer, I don't want to be not in compliance. And so here I am uh, w- without a Ford card, and it's going on eight, eight months now. Another problem State Representative Patrick Windhorst highlighted was people with expired cards getting a letter from ISP that their card's good while the application is being processed. But he said gun dealers tell him they aren't accepting that from buyers as valid. That means that they're, they're not able to purchase a firearm or ammunition and will have their, in my opinion, have their constitutional rights infringed. When Horse and other lawmakers laid out measures ranging from ending the Foyt Law to shoring up the processing delays, State Representative Charlie Meyer said his office is flooded with calls from constituents about the delays. I have veterans that
1: come to my office. They can't reach anybody at the Illinois State Police. They have to wait
0: three to four months. I have people call, terrified. It's illegal to possess firearms or ammunition without a valid void card. State Representative Mike Marin said what's happening now is infringing on citizens' of Second Amendment rights.
1: The state needs to take some accountability and start to manage this program, or if not,
0: it needs to go away. Simple as that. Republicans have a proposed constitutional amendment that would create a lockbox for FOID card fees to keep them from being used for other purposes. Most of the bills Republicans have filed remain in the House Rules Committee. A lawmaker is looking to add a 2% tax on ammunition to put into a fund for school safety, but another says it's more of the same anti-Second Amendment proposals at the Illinois State House. House Bill 5651 from Jonathan Yoni-Pizer would put a 2% tax on ammunition and put the money in a Safe Schools and Healthy Learning Environments grant fund. The grants would be administered by the Illinois State Board of Education. State Representative Darren Bailey said that the idea is just another in a series of measures at the statehouse, he says, is meant to make it harder for people to exercise their Second Amendment rights. Well, it's certainly no surprise because that's what we do here in Illinois. We, we tax everything in existence. So obviously the bigger overarching plan is to do away with the Second Amendment rights. So get so you can do that one tax at a time, one item at a time. And, you know, it's really a shame. Pizer had scheduled a State House news conference on the bill Thursday, but that was canceled. He said in an email his measure is meant to keep school kids safe by creating the grant program. Bailey said he doesn't trust the state with yet another new fund. I don't trust for a minute that the funds, you know, it looks grand, it looks nice. What I think I saw where some of these funds are supposed to go to education and to safety issues. These funds aren't going to go anywhere. Every committee we set in, we hear about more and more and more blatant spending, zero accountability. There's no accountability anywhere. Bailey pointed to the revelations last fall that over several years, $30 million was swept from funds gun owners paid to get firearm owner identification cards. Pfizer's measure to add that 2% tax on ammunition has yet to advance out of the House Rules Committee. Illinois' Republican congressional delegation says Governor J.B. Pritzker should focus more on fixing problems with the state's automatic voter registration program than personnel decisions made by President Donald Trump. Pritzker confirmed he wrote the president a letter February 21st. In the letter, he said he wanted to update about election security especially in the aftermath of the 2016 hack on the State Board of Elections that compromised some voter information, but that hack didn't change any votes. Pritzker's letter was critical of Trump's move to relieve acting Director of National Intelligence, Joseph McGuire. Um, What I've written a letter to the president about is to make sure that I get fully briefed on any kind of potential Russian hacking or or interference with our elections. Pritzker's letter also went on to forwarded to Illinois' Republican Congressional Delegation. Taylorville U.S. Representative Rodney Davis said Republicans responded with their own letter to the governor urging him to focus instead on the problems with the state's automatic voter registration program. The program improperly registered more than 500 people who were not U.S. citizens to vote.
1: And I'm glad that Jesse White's office, Secretary White's office, is really working hard to correct them, but it doesn't negate the fact that we still have a problem with election security on the ground.
0: Davis also said the governor should focus on problems such as multiple ballots reportedly being sent to individuals in Champaign County.
2: Dad and I certainly wish the governor would focus his efforts on places like uh, the Champaign County Clerk's Office to help them correct their mistakes uh, versus trying to,
1: to play in presidential personnel decisions.
0: Pritzker dismissed the Republicans' criticism when asked about it Thursday. They would like me not to focus on the fact that the president fired his uh, DNI uh, for telling the truth to Congress. Uh, these are Republican congressmen that are speaking. Republicans say Pritzker got the facts wrong about McGuire's status. Those are the top stories from the past week from Illinois. Find more online at thecentersquare.com. Coming up for Illinois in Focus, commentary from the Center Square publisher Chris Krug and executive editor Dan McCaleb. This is Illinois in Focus, powered by thecentersquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop.
1: Hello everyone and welcome back to Illinois Focus's crosstalk segment powered by the Center Square in Illinois. I'm Chris Krug, publisher of the Center Square, joined as per normal by Executive Editor Dan McCaleb. Dan, what is going on?
2: Not too much. Chris still recovering from Super Tuesday, but looking forward to the podcast. Lots to talk about as usual.
1: I'm telling you, it was a it was a huge night for the Center Square nationally. I mean, uh, Things are just kind of starting to percolate, you know, on the on the uh, the presidential side of the uh, conversation. We'll get to that in just a couple of weeks. Primary March seventeenth here in Illinois, but a lot of things going on nationally. Uh, I know you just you just reported just a moment ago we're taping this on Thursday. Elizabeth Warren just dropped out of the race, so um, a lot of activity this week, and uh, you guys have done a terrific job. Um, We do have a number of things that we want to cover today, but I want to start with the the first things first. We are, as a company, the Center Square nonprofit, nonpartisan uh, journalism operation, you know, uh, part of the Franklin News Foundation, um, are at loggerheads with uh, Governor J.B. Pritzker and his press secretary, Jordan Abaday, they um have done something that is frankly uh imperious uh they've reached across the line and are now telling media what is and what isn't news not the first time we've seen this in the united states uh first time we've seen it in illinois it's egregious please let's get everybody up to speed on what's going on with this dan
2: yeah, so this is a, a fairly complex story and that it has many tentacles. So let me start with just a little bit of background. Um, so Governor J.B. Pritzker, the keynote of his, his first uh, term in office has been changing Illinois' con- constitution to allow for what's called a progressive tax. Um, and that would allow um, uh, the state to tax different wage earners at different rates, meaning higher wage earners were, is, will, would um, be taxed at a higher percentage Then lower. Illinois' constitution currently uh, allows only for a flat tax, so the constitution needs to be changed. So voters in November will be asked whether or not they want to change the constitution to allow for Pritzker's progressive tax. Well, the governor was in Washington, D.C. in uh, in early uh, February, and one of the things he did while he was there was give uh, an interview to Politico. Uh, Politico is a nonprofit national uh, news outlet that focuses on politics and policies. Um, and uh, during the interview, uh, the governor was asked about his progressive tax plan um, and um, what would happen if voters reject the plan in November. A side part of the story is uh, governor and lawmakers are currently in session um, working on a, a budget for the next fiscal year, which be- begins July 1st. Well, the, the governor's budget. Uh, Budget proposal. Um, he, he proposes spending 42 billion dollars, which would would be a record for Illinois. But some of that spending relies on uh, passage of the progressive tax in November. The election is going to be five months after the fiscal year starts. Um, but he he built in progressive tax money into his budget to the tune of 1.4 billion dollars. So during the political interview, he was asked what happens with his budget if Uh, voters reject the progressive tax. And he rightly said, well, we're going to have to cut cut the budget. And one of the things he did say, too, was discretionary spending, um, things that aren't constitutionally mandated, would have to be uh, uh, cut by 15% across the board. I don't know if because he was in Washington, D.C., he thought he was out of the purview of Illinois media, but the Center Square reporter, Greg Bishop, who's On top of things and and, uh, uh, knows what's going on, Um, he uh, saw Politico's video of the interview and decided to write a story about it. So we wrote a story about it. We published it at thecentersquare.com, and we were able to uh, take some of the Politico's video and post it with our story. Well, one of the things we do is we allow other media outlets to republish our news stories with proper credit. And a few, uh, a few media outlets did uh, on this particular story that Greg Bishop wrote, including the uh, Jacksonville Journal uh, Courier. Well, we found out um, a day or so after they published their story that the governor's office, uh, his communications team, reached out to uh, the Journal Courier and asked them to unpublish the story, claiming we were a biased media outlet and the story in question um, was contextually inaccurate. I learned about this. I looked into the story. I reviewed the story. I also reviewed the video. Um, and our story quoted the governor in his own words. The video, what he said in our story, matched what he said in the video. The story was 100% accurate. At the center and
1: square, have one of the toughest corrections and clarifications policies in the industry. I mean, we hold ourselves to the highest journalistic standards.
2: Absolutely. If the governor's office had come to us and said there there's an error in the story and they point out specifically what the error is um and we agree with them that that's right that's an error we would correct that story and we also have a page where we log all of our corrections of all of our stories and we'd add it to that um the governor's office did not reach out to us but that's no surprise they don't accept our phone calls they don't return our emails so um it is what it is
1: so i mean just with regard to, to to just that activity is is I mean, this is now the second time that, that it, something like this has occurred. First time it occurred was in September. And, and to be honest with you, you know, I've been in the industry for 25 plus years. Um, you've been in the industry um, you know, as long as I have technically longer. I mean, more years active in, in media than, than, than I, I have. Um I'd never heard of anything like this prior to last September when the governor of Colorado, Jared Polis, uh, had his communications lead, his his press spokesman, uh, Connor Cahill, do basically the same thing and reached out to a Colorado newspaper, actually a couple of them, requesting that they, quote unquote, unpublish a story about Jared Polis's Office of Future Work, which We simply wrote about and asked, how much is this going to cost the taxpayers in Colorado? We were the only ones reporting that story who asked that question. And Polis' team responded by reaching out to the media company, not to us, to the media company that republished our work, and said, hey, these guys are not credible. Uh, You shouldn't be running this stuff. Meanwhile, Jared Polis, earlier in the year, in 2019, had not only advocated for the work that we had done by sharing it on Facebook, but his office had shared our work on Facebook as well. So this is not the first time that we've dealt with this. The relationship with uh, with uh, Pritzker and his team may be a little bit cooler um, because, frankly, you know, we're just, I don't know, we've been we've been covering Illinois longer than we've been covering a lot of other states. But, um you know how, how, where, where I guess is my question is, um, in Colorado, just for perspective for the people who are listening in Illinois, when the news got out that polis had tried to censor the news and had tried to pull the sort of pull the rug out from underneath the center square in Colorado, the media in Colorado rallied around that and said, "Hey, that's not the governor's place to do that." This story was written about by more than a dozen outlets in the state of Colorado. Because it was an egregious misuse of power. It was imperiousness in, in its purest form. In Illinois, not much has been said about this. And to be honest with you, I'm going to offer like a, a, an opinion on top of an opinion here. My biggest disappointment is not the misbehavior of Pritzker and his office in this situation. It is the complete lack of respect for the First Amendment Displayed by the lapdog media that lives in the Springfield bubble on this one This is Just an egregious case of misuse of power It's an egregious case Nothing short of that Let me say this You mentioned our longevity in the
2: journalism industry Whether or not I have more time than you do I don't know But let me just point out You're still older than me Um (laughs)
0: <laughs> but, man, that hurts.
2: That being said, um you I are reporters. Um, everyone in our company, this is a news story. The governor tries to censor the news, tries to bully a local media outlet, a local newspaper editor, into telling them to unpublish something they've already published without pointing out any problems with the story uh, uh, except for quote unquote it's contextually inaccurate which is a BS uh, um, reason that people give when they don't have any real reasons it's a news story We wrote about uh, his efforts to do this uh, on Monday. It is we're recording this on uh, late Thursday morning um, and mainstream media. Well, I think one, the TV outlet in Jacksonville, the paper where it happened uh, or the the paper who was uh, approached their
1: their local radio station, local radio station, excuse
2: me, they wrote about it um, and no other media
1: outlets uh, have to this point. It's news. It's it's embarrassing. It's I'm embarrassed for the profession. And I'm embarrassed for the state of journalism in Illinois. The Illinois Press Association, which is houses the Illinois First Amendment Center, uh, we brought this to them. We wanted them simply to look at it and to comment on it. They had no comment. It's maybe the most cowardly thing that I've seen in journalism in my career. It's cowardly. Um, all right, Dan. So uh, what's next as far as uh, uh, this story and... Um, you know where 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 do you where do you and your team go from here?
2: Well, we're not done with it. So when we learned that uh, this had happened, we filed a Freedom of Information Act request with the governor's office, um, going back to January first of this year, 2020, uh, up to that point in February um, when they had uh, uh, reached out to the the Jacksonville paper to find out if they'd done it. Um, to, to other news, news outlets, et cetera We found a couple other things from that FOIA response uh, But we, we're, we're
1: filing more FOIAs um, We're going to see how wide-reaching this is All right, well, I look forward to seeing that in the center square And, um, yeah, enough said on that uh, Dan, you know, the, uh, the, 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 the topic of conversation I mean, once you get outside of the, you know Obviously, stock market, primaries nobody can stop talking about this coronavirus. Um, I guess just, you know, sort of a couple of facts on this that, you know, that there's, you know, there's people, a lot of people that are upset about this. And I think certainly vigilance is important. Uh, but coronavirus is not new. Uh, this form of coronavirus is new. This coronavirus 19 or COV-19 um, in that there's there's no actual, you know, there's no cure for it. Um, it's not, it's not reached a pandemic state. And if you look at the map in the United States, it hasn't even really had a, any, any kind of an impact and is not, not certainly not having an impact that the, you know, that the flu that is moving through the United States has every year, but it's big, it's scary. Uh, it comes from another country. So there's a, sort of an all out, uh, an all out, uh, uproar over this. You know, people are like canceling events. I've, I've seen that Two major trade events at the McCormick Center here in uh, here in, in Chicago have been have been canceled for fear of that. I'm hearing from people that are getting on airplanes um, that uh, that the airplanes are are flying light or empty. I can tell you, I've spent a lot of time on airplanes in the last X number of weeks while this coronavirus uh, fervor has existed, and I didn't see that. Um, but nonetheless, um, Center Square checked in on this just really just as a sort of a, a way to, to kind of communicate a public health issue. Um, where are you sitting on this? What's going on?
2: Well, I agree with you. It's something to, you know, to pay attention to and and be a little bit concerned about. It's, it's, it's not reached the level um, where people should overreact. I mean, United this morning announced that it was cutting – um domestic flights because people are stop, stopping traveling as you mentioned flights flights are half empty or you know worse than that um, it's there's there's barely 100 cases uh, confirmed in the united states there have been 10 total deaths nine of them in the state of washington most of those tied to a nursing facility in suburban seattle um, there was one c- confirmed case yesterday and for the first one outside of Washington in the state of California, someone who was on a on a cruise uh, a couple of weeks ago who returned home and started showing the symptoms uh, so that the 10 confirmed cases, you know, thousands and tens of thousands of people die from the flu every day. And that's not to say don't pay attention. You need to pay attention to it. Don't overreact, though. Uh, I went to um, uh, I went to the grocery store over the weekend, uh, just to pick up a few items. Uh, one of the things I wanted to get up pick up was um, hand sanitizer. the The shelves were completely empty, so that's a good thing. Wash your hands, um, that's fine. But please, there's no reason to overreact at this point.
1: Yeah, I think that that's it. You know, I I talked to a healthcare professional this morning uh, about it, just checking in and asked for just some basic advice. and And uh, step one. Don't overreact. Step two, uh, wash your hands. Uh, the The healthcare professional has a personal relationship with me, and uh, she uh, also told me to to shut my mouth. So, uh, anyhow, I mean, it's, you take that advice for what it's worth. I, I think it's it's one of those deals. It's just, you know, it's different. It's new. It's weird. I mean, I had the the opportunity to to be in Seoul, South Korea, in 2015. Um, I flew from LAX, you know, in Los Angeles over there on a almost completely empty airplane. Uh, And that was during the Middle East Respiratory Syndrome, which is also a coronavirus outbreak that happened at Samsung Hospital in Seoul. The entire city was kind of shut down. And ultimately, it was it was a contained event. Um, There is there's no there's no cure for for MERS. There's just th- these things are like the common cold; they come and they go. If you're immunocompromised, excuse me. If you have a, a, a an illness already, you're you're going to have. You know, you you certainly don't want to be exposed to this. But there are things that you can do that are simply smart. Uh, if you don't have to go to work, if you're not feeling well, you don't have to go to work. Do us all a favor and don't go to work. Um, if you're if you are going to be you know be around people, wash your hands, cover your mouth when you cough. Um, and do it the right way. Batwing it. You know, just come on. Use, use common sense. And this does not need to be a public panic. My goodness.
2: Hey. Just one, one, one last thing to point out here, too, is certainly you don't want to contract the, the, the novel coronavirus. But even if you do, the vast majority of cases are mild. Uh, CDC says uh, 16% of cases um, result in what would be called, called moderate or severe illness and um the 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 mortality rate if you you get it is um less than four percent um and and the vast majority of the people who are dying from it as you said um uh have some other physical health issue where their immune system might be uh uh, less than others or in the elderly right
0: Um,
2: so yeah not much more to say at this point but pay attention Uh, wash your hands cover your mouth when you cough um
1: Stay home if you're sick for crying out loud. right, absolutely. You know I mean, gee, whiz. I mean I, if, you're, if your employer doesn't get that, change employers. you know, honestly. and if you work in the food service industry and you're rolling in with you know with a case of the case of the sniffles or the cold or the cough, that you know your manager needs to be like honestly, giving a given a good talking to for letting you stick around. Go home, go home. Take the day off. Give us all a break. Um, all right, Dan. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna ramp up my investment in uh, in hand sanitizer, and uh, hopefully, you and I can corner the hand sanitizer market while this panic is on. Let's see what else we got to talk about. Here we go. One of my favorite subjects: firearm ownership in Illinois. Now. You know it's one of the hardest places to to be a gun owner because a you have to have a fire firearms owner identification card which is total pain. I do like my picture in that photograph. I got to be honest with you better than the one in my driver's license. But if you even want to go into a gun shop and pick up a gun, or go into the part of the, the part of the store where the ammunition sits, you actually have to show. In theory, you have to show your Foyd card. Well, now the state seems to be like. You know, the story that was reported by the Center Square um, dragging its feet on getting people through the FOID card uh, application process and the renewal process, because this is something you have to do in Illinois every 10 years. What's going on?
2: Well, what's going on is is, is, uh, typical of state government. Um, Of course, when you go to apply for a FOID card, you have to you pay a fee um, and that money is supposed to be used for. Um, enforcement of Illinois' firearms laws, including um, processing uh, these applications and reapplications, renewals. Uh, state government's been stealing the money to use it p- to pay for, for other things. So over the past several years, years about $30 million uh, was swept from these FOID fee funds, um, and the state now lacks resources. So people are waiting months and months and months uh, to have their their new void applications approved or their renewals approved. And really this is you know if 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 folks who have have been are in that waiting period if they decided to file a federal suit this could be this is like an end run around the US Constitution the second amendment of the US Constitution yeah. which guarantees the right of Americans to own guns.
1: Well, they're yeah, they're I mean, they're they're absolutely slowing the process down, whether they're doing it deliberately or through incompetence, um, or a combination of both. I mean, that that that's I guess that's a matter of opinion. Um, you didn't ask me for mine, but I would I would probably venture to say it's a combination of the two. The um, they're just making it very very difficult, you know, to uh, allow Illinoisans to, to exercise their constitutional rights. It's wrong. Um, state clearly, you know, based on the way that it's brought legislature forward. You know, there's conversation earlier uh, this um, this legislative session about requiring gun owners to have a million dollar umbrella policy, you know, in order to have a gun. I mean, they're they're talking about am, you know ammunition or magazine sizes, not only here but in other states. They keep trying these 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 limitations. The issue, frankly, you know I mean, that I have with this, is that if you have gone and applied for your FOID card or if you've applied to renew your FOID card, or if you're purchasing a gun either at an Illinois you know gun store or through you know a licensed FFL, you know, where you're doing like a you know federal firearms licensee transfer, you know you're doing things the right way in in and you are part of ninety nine point nine 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 something percent of gun owners who simply just want to be a gun owner. I mean, the, you know, they're not they're not buying these guns to go out and do something, you know, heinous with them. They're simply not. That's the statistics don't bear that out. And the government is just continues to get in the way of law abiding, tax paying citizens who simply want to exercise their second amendment right for whatever purpose they're dreaming up. It's it's dumb. It's dumb. It's as dumb as plastic bag, you know, elimination uh, legislation and all these other things that sort of just slot in to appease people who just can never ultimately be appeased. Stop. Just quit. Hard to follow that one there,
2: uh, Chris. I I think you nailed it on the head right
1: there. Yeah, well, every once in a while I get it right. So, um, all right. So talk to me about service dogs. I know that, uh, you know, you obviously, you know, your pet buck, the bird likes to make an appearance every once in a while on the Illinois and focus crosstalk segment. He's a fine bird. He has his own things to say, chirps up in the background. And it's great to have him on. Cause you know, people say, you know, it's kind of monotonous. You and Dan just get on the, get on the horn and you talk for, you know, 12, 15, 20 minutes. Sometimes you're, you know, you just, you guys just keep going and going. And Buck the Bird will jump in and say, well, you know what Buck the Bird says, chirp or tweet or whatever. And it's great to hear from him. Apparently, there's legislation that's in place that would fine people for using fake service dogs. <laughs> I mean, or I guess it would be fake service animals, right? I mean, or is this just exclusively, is this a, is this a, like, a, Are they, are we targeting dogs now? Is this is this about like targeting dog? Am I not going to be able to have a dog? First, Chris, as per our correction
2: policy, I'm going to we're going to have to correct the record here. Buck is my wife's bird, not my not my bird. Thank you. Um so let's file that. I apologize. The page. Um so this is a classic example of a solution in need of a problem. Um lawmakers filed a bill that would place hefty fines on people who um who use their untrained service or untrained dogs as service dogs. Um, I don't know. I don't know how, how many fake uh, service dogs are out there, but I can't imagine this, this is an issue anywhere. Um, this is a perfect example of overreach, um, uh, by government, we should probably have a uh, a, a segment on the show each week of, about silly,
1: silly legislation that doesn't matter. This is one of those ones. Uh, you know, uh, what if my dog identifies as a service dog? I mean, does that mean that my dog is not a service dog? My dog is pretty serviceable. Uh, she doesn't like other dogs. She likes people quite a bit. Um, she barks at the UPS guy. Uh, what if the UPS guy wanted to bring his dog to work I mean uh, and put a UPS suit on I mean is there any legislation that's out there that might might prevent that because you'd hate to think that this dog which is not like a real UPS carrier is a UPS carrier that would that would bother that would bother me I think that would upset the the general balance of 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 our our day-to-day life
2: well you and or the U.S uh p s carrier uh you're talking about here would be subject to fines of five hundred dollars um uh for a second offense if this bill gets passed, mm. so
1: better beware. It's a bigger investment than I made in the actual dog when we got her out of the pound, but um you know something to think about Dan uh always fun to catch up with you on what is going on in Illinois. I think we've probably run out of time um Yeah, sure looks like it.
2: Enjoy the rest of your week. Uh, On to the next wave of uh, presidential elections next week.
1: I look forward to seeing what you guys put together. And, uh, again, it's, you know, Illinois. Our election day here is March 17th. St. Patrick's Day. St. Patrick's Day. What a combination. My goodness. Who knows what will happen. All right, we've run out of time here for Dan McCaleb. This has been Chris Krug. You've been listening to Illinois in Focus's Crosstalk segment powered by the Center Square Illinois. Now over to Greg Bishop with a look at what the Center Square Illinois will be working on next
0: week. Next week, with Illinois' primary election on the horizon, Illinois state lawmakers are back in their districts and some face primary challenges. But there are a few committees lawmakers will hold in Chicago. The Senate will discuss red light cameras in Illinois and a progress update from the Illinois Department of Corrections. The House will review housing tax credits and other issues. This has been Illinois in Focus. For more Illinois stories and commentary online, visit thecentersquare.com. For the Center Square, Illinois, I'm Greg Bishop.